0: Welcome to Talking News. We are delighted to have you with us, listening to our presentation by members of the Beach Street Center, Martha, Cindy, and Marion. We will be reading local news and happenings from the community newspaper. Uh, Designation approved at town meeting by Joanna K. Tsevelis. Monday night Belmont town meeting voted to declare Belmont a welcoming community, marking the culmination of an impassioned debate that had consumed the town in recent weeks. Article 10 passed by a vote of 198 to 59. The article asked town meeting members to affirm their support or seven existing Belmont Police Department policies, including not detaining someone solely to investigate their immigration status and not asking someone about their immigration status when they are seeking the BPD's help, unless it's relevant to the case. The measure would not change current BPD policy. Belmont residents were clearly divided over the proposal. Members of the public demonstrated in front of Belmont High School for and against the measure. However, only three town meeting members spoke in opposition to Article 10 during the May (coughs) 8 session. Thomasina Olson, Steve Kerens, and Peg Callanan. The majority spoke in support of the article put forth by Anne Bohan. Tension outside the meeting. Approximately 35 residents who were not town meeting members attended the town meeting and were permitted to sit in the rear section of the BHS auditorium. They were not allowed to speak or display any signs. Prior to town meeting commencing, there was a large group of protesters holding signs protesting Article 10 on the lawn at the BHS parking lot entrance. Another large group of supporters of Article 10 held signs at the auditorium entrance to the BHS building. Several Belmont police officers stood by to maintain peace and order. There was one confrontation between Belmont resident Elizabeth Goss, who supported Article 10, and several protesters opposed to the measure. She said she wanted to understand what their concerns were. I don't want people to fear, she said referring to Belmont residents. Illegals don't commit crimes at any higher rate. We haven't had immigration reform since 1990. They haven't changed the rules. The protesters dismissed her angrily. Change the law. The problem is this is a non-issue for Belmont, a voice in the crowd yelled. Goss was called a Marxist and told she doesn't know anything about the Constitution. Get the hell out of here. This is the law and order, yelled one of the protesters. Cindy?
1: Foodies expects to open this week by Joanna Zuvalis. It's been a long time coming, more than four years since Macy's and Belmont Center closed its doors, and two years since Victor Leon Jr., Jr., owner of Foodies, began negotiating with Locatelli Properties to open its fourth Massachusetts location in Belmont Center. Leon's father, Victor Leon Sr., started Foodies in 1998 with its first location in the South End. In 2007, Leon opened a second location in Duxbury, currently the biggest store in the company. In 2013, Foodies in South Boston opened. The new Belmont store is approximately 12,000 square feet with about 50 employees. The lease was officially signed about one month ago, according to Leon. A lot of managers have been with the company for many years. The Belmont store will have a mix of new employees. The store manager, Bobby McPhail, has been with the Duxbury store for 10 years. Deliveries are arriving, shelves are getting stocked, computers are getting set up, Staff are getting ready to greet customers when they have their soft opening soon and their grand opening celebration May 15th to 20th, featuring vendor tastings, giveaways such as bicycles, and special little prizes. Customers should expect a full-service grocery store, a great customer service, quality product with a full-service butcher shop, seafood, flowers, great produce, nice cheese department, and lots of prepared food, says Leon. Customers will be able to do special orders and hopes to offer catering and delivery in the future. We're not a big box retailer, so we are able to provide a more intimate experience for the shopper. We are able to give better customer service because we adapt the community. It's a community-based operation with local vendors. People that live in the community work here. Customers are able to set the tone of the store, what products we sell, what they want. We are able to mold a really personal experience. That's what makes us different. Real focus on local experience," he said. Delays were due mainly to construction, said Leon. Dealing with the construction of a building always seems to take more time than you want it to take. Challenges in designing, mechanical systems, and coordination of that and bringing the team together, finding the right people is always a challenge. Everything is made fresh on site. Meats are organic and all natural products. Gluten-free, dairy-free, and vegan products will also be stocked. McPhail said the store will carry a lot of local farmers' products. If I don't have it, I'll get it, he said. There will also be a suggestion box for shoppers. Brian Sway, supervisor of the deli, bakery, and prepared foods department, has been working with his staff to make spice rubs, vinegar sauce for barbecue, and brine for turkeys. He said he is most excited about using the -the state-of-the-art combination un- ovens which combine a steamer and convection oven in one device. Sway described the business as having a family atmosphere, which she thinks transfers to the customers.
2: Marion? Liquor licenses will not be transferable by Joanna K. Zuvalis. Town meeting members made several important decisions that will affect Belmont's future at the annual town meeting and special town meeting May 3rd, including the funding of community preservation projects, such as a new Pequasset playground, putting a moratorium on marijuana establishments, and limiting transferability of retail liquor licenses and restaurant liquor licenses. Liquor license transferability. Special Town Meeting voted on amending Chapter 16 of the 2014 Retail and Restaurant Liquor License Transferability, authorizing the Board of Selectmen to petition the State Legislature to enact legislation to make all restaurant and retail liquor licenses non-transferable. The articles to limit transferability for retail licenses passed with a vote of 244 to 18 and for restaurant licenses by a 223-19 vote. This did not come easily, however, as town meeting members had to first vote on amendments Put forth by Town Meeting Member and Chairman of the Economic Development Committee Advisory Committee Thomasina Olson. Olson's amendments would have allowed for liquor licenses to be transferred from business owner to business owner if a business owner is selling his business to someone at the same location or business owner to business owner if a business is relocating to another part of Belmont. Aaron Lubin, pre- Precinct 7 town meeting member argued in favor of the Proposed amendments to article 1 and 2 of the special town meeting She said her research found that people in Belmont support business owners transferring their liquor license to someone buying their business or someone moving their business to a new location Where the rubber meets the road is when a business owner in a location sells a license to someone who wants to open a restaurant or retail establishment in another location, said Lubin. Ralph Jones, former selectman and a Precinct 2 town meeting member, spoke in opposition to Olson's amendments. Former selectmen I have talked with, including almost all of them, agree... The long-standing intent of the town is to is licenses should not be bought and sold," said Jones. Both selectman vice chairman Mark Palillo and Adam Dash said they were opposed to the amendment. Selectman chairman Jim Williams was in favor of the amendment and opposed to the article limiting transferability. We believe the town should control who gets those licenses and don't believe they should be assets of the business that they have been granted it, said Polillo. Dash said the proposed amendments are making a big change to what the original articles are trying to do. Dash argued the Board of Selectmen should retain control over who is granted liquor licenses in order to advance the best interests of the town. Several town meeting members spoke in opposition to the amendments, such as Lynn Reed, Precinct 8. The amendment would permit person-to-person and location-to-location transfers. Consequently, the amendment would greatly undercut the public protection purpose of licensing. I agree, having a license is a privilege and not a right, Reed said. It's not an asset. The primary purpose is for public protection using reasonable protections for licensees. Olson's amendments were defeated, 226 to 37 for store licenses, and 211 to 27 for restaurant licenses. Community preservation projects. All of the projects requesting allocation of community preservation funds were approved totaling $1,183,325. The biggest ticket item on the list is $615,000 for a brand new Pequasset playground passed with little discussion. The $336,000 allocation for the Grove Street tennis courts passed with no discussion. The third highest request is for $173,200 to fund the redevelopment of Sherman Gardens to eliminate the units with steps and make the units more user-friendly for its elderly residents, also passed with no discussion. Town meeting members spent the most time debating a $24,125 request from the Sons of Italy for to create a mini museum at their Belmont headquarters. The project will preserve and display memorabilia, including photos and books from the organization's history. Anthony Ferrante, Precinct 8, spoke in opposition to using CPA funds for the project. He said the private organization, which has 6,000 members statewide, could raise money for the project on its own. Robert McLaughlin, Precinct 2, echoed Ferrante's concerns. Several other town meeting members also spoke in opposition. Martha? Waste management expanded. Selectman
0: studies pass. After three long nights, the non-financial portion of Belmont's annual town meeting officially came to an end Monday with the final three articles passing. Article 9, to empower the Board of Selectmen to consider all options for waste management in the town, including such waste management as pay-as-you-throw systems, passed 162 to 99 at the May 8th session. Article 8, for town moderator Mark Mike Widmer to appoint a committee study and recommend whether or not the Board of Selectmen should be expanded from three members passed 192 to 67. Article 10 to designate Belmont as a well community also passed 198 to 59. Town meeting will reconvene June 5th to vote on the financial articles. Article 9, pay-as-you-throw and waste metering are two additional trash and recycling options. The Board of Selectmen will be allowed to consider when they renew the town's contract in July 2018. Kim Slack, Precinct 1, wrote the article. He said the benefits of pay-as-you-throw and waste metering would measure the volume of trash and give incentives for residents to recycle and compost. The average community in the state reduces trash 40% when they move to pay as you throw, said Slack. Pat Brush, Precinct, t- town, precinct Two, sorry, Town Meeting Member, was opposed to the Article 9. In 1990, Belmont passed an article for $2,9400,946 for solid waste curbside collection and disposal. According to Brush, the co- the override covered the cost of the trash in the 1990s. As time progressed, the cost increased, but so too did the amount collected on the override since it rose by 2.5% each year. So today our trash costs are $2.5 million, a $400,000 increase, and the override amount with 2.5% added each year is $4.1 million or about $1.6 million more than we need. That extra money is funding other things. I'm fine with that, but not with them turning around, collecting the trash, the tax, and charging us again for the trash by the bag or whatever, wrote Brush in an email to the Citizen Herald following the town meeting session. She is concerned about how voters will react in the future when the town asks for money if they see that the town meeting decided they did not have to honor the intent of the override. We have too much at stake to break faith with the voters now, especially in light of the very pressing needs we have in the near future, she said. Article 8. Article 8, authored by Selectman Chairman Jim Williams, asked Town Meeting to approve the creation of a committee to look at increasing the size of the Board of Selectmen. Members of the committee would be appointed by the town moderator and include a Town Meeting member from each precinct and five town residents selected at large. The committee would file a written report of recommendations to town meeting by November 20th, 2017. Cindy.
1: Interview Director Terry George of The Promise by Paul Bagosian, For months now, Armenians have heard about a new film, The Promise, that had its premiere at the 2016 Toronto Film Festival. We have been reading of the authenticity of the film and the pushback of an organized Turkish PR campaign against the film. The Promise is a straightforward narrative story set in 1915 and focuses on the love triangle between an Armenian medical student, Michael, Oscar, played by Oscar Isaac, and an Armenian woman raised in France, Anna, played by Charlotte Le Bon, and an American journalist working for the Associated Press, who is based in Paris, Christopher Academy Award winner Christian Bale. The relationship among and between these three characters provides an intimate look and understanding of the effects of the Turkish genocide against the Armenian people. The promise is no small budget art film. It has been made for mainstream audiences to be seen at the multiplex near you. The following interview with Terry George was gathered from conversation at the Balakian home following the screening, an informal conversation in the lobby of the Colgate Inn where we both stayed and a more formal interview over breakfast the morning after the screening. Question, what drew you to the promise? What was it about the story that motivated your involvement? Answer. My agent sent me the script and thought I would be interested in the subject matter of the films I have done in the past, such as In the Name of the Father and Hotel Rwanda, which both covered significant human rights issues. In the Name of the Father covered the true life story of four people falsely convicted of the 1974 Irish Republican Army bombing. And Hotel Rwanda covered the Rwandan genocide of 1994. When I read the original script, I didn't think it fully addressed the scope of the Armenian genocide, so I enlarged the story and created the character of Christopher Myers, played by Christian Bale. The Myers character, the reporter, is a composite of a number of eyewitness reporters who witnessed sections of the genocide. Peter Balakin's book, The Burning Tigress, was a great help in informing me of the coverage of the genocide in American newspapers. Also, Peter's translation of his great-uncle's journey to survival in Armenian Golgotha provided me with an understanding of the scope of the genocide and how some survived. Question. Do you feel the promise is an authentic portrayal of the Armenian genocide? Answer. I learned from the making of In the Name of the Father in Hotel Rwanda that anything you put on the screen has to be thoroughly researched. When you're adding fictional scenes for purposes of the story, even then you cannot distort the real events and the real people you are portraying. The characters and the scenes have to accurately relate to the audience something that was going on at that time and place. I wanted to make sure that the look on the screen and the feel of the scene is real. I tried at all times to be accurate and drew heavily upon my three technical advisors to make sure even the fictional scenes were embedded with the reality of history. Every detail was checked and rechecked for accuracy. For example, the patrol scene involving the dancing, the community life of the village, the paying of the diary, as well as all the church scenes and the singing that we put on the screen is all accurate. When scouting locations in Spain, Portugal, and Malta, I drew upon the photographs of the period. I matched the Musa Dag scenes to the photos that I had. In two months of pre-production, I did everything possible based on the research we did, to match photographs that were shot in Ottoman Turkey to the locations that were available in Spain and Malta. I think there is an amazing resemblance between the locations we selected and the real ones. I played with the notion of using subtitles, but with the five possible languages that the characters spoke, we would be entering a slippery slope which would confuse the audience. The Armenian words used in the toasting scene that was set in Watertown, Massachusetts, was an accurate Armenian toast that was spoken in Armenian. Marion?
2: Working groups formed to examine proposal. Belmont Day proposal public hearing continued to May 23rd by Jack Kelly. The planning board decided to form two working groups at the May 2nd public hearing, to sort out several issues and concerns surrounding the Belmont Day School proposal to construct a 25,817 square foot academic and athletic building referred to as the barn, together with a new entrance driveway between 688 Concord Ave and along the eastern border of the Highland Meadow Cemetery. The working groups will include representatives from the Planning Board, Belmont Day, Belmont Fire Department, and Belmont's Town Council, as well as land management engineers and other Belmont officials, as necessary. They will address driveway access and fire code regulations, a possible peer review of the traffic study conducted by Bayside Engineering for Belmont Day, stormwater issues on the site, Belmont Day's Transportation and Communications Plan, outreach and education to the parents of students and Belmont Day staff, driveway snow management and storage, noise noise mitigation, coordination and communication with cemetery officials to minimize interference with burials and services and enforcement procedures. In particular, The construction of the driveway along the eastern edge of uh, the Highland Meadow Cemetery has generated much controversy and opposition from residents in the neighborhood, which resulted in an overflow crowd at the meeting. The proposed driveway would create a one-way entrance to Belmont Day School School Lane would remain two-way traffic flow for the residential homes and serve as the exit for vehicles coming from Belmont Day. School to Create Traffic Management Plan Kelly Cardoza of Avalon Consulting Group, representing Belmont Day, responded to several concerns voiced by residents about the proposal. Concord Avenue residents east of Day School Lane will see a slight increase of approximately 33 vehicles during the morning peak hours While Concord Ave, she said, residents west of Somerset Street should experience a net increase of about 21 vehicles during these hours, she said. To alleviate traffic concerns, the Belmont Day will institute a transportation demand plan to manage the traffic impacts of the neighborhood. The demand plan will provide project summary communications and host neighborhood meetings on a quarterly basis throughout the construction process and through the first year of the new facility and driveway operations the plan will also educate families and staff about the traffic concerns of operating a school in a residential neighborhood she said she added in response to concerns raised by the board of cemetery commissioners and the Land Management Committee for Lone Tree Hill, regarding the proposed expansion plans, Belmont Day has instituted several changes. Martha?
0: Mass Audubon hosts statewide Volunteer Day. Over 200 volunteers helped with outdoor projects at Habitat, Mass Audubon's Nature Education Center and Wildlife Sanctuary in Belmont. On April 29th, as part of Mass Audubon's annual statewide volunteer day, volunteers of all ages seniors, adults, students, and families with young children turned out on a spring morning to work together on various projects around the sanctuary. Some spruced up the community garden and composting area, some made a screen by weaving branches into a boundary fence, while others conducted wildlife observation surveys at the pond or the meadow. A group walked to Lone Tree Hill to dig holes and plant trees. Those preferring to sit and chat while they worked made materials for Habitat's nature education programs. Some moved and spread wood chips on the trails
1: cindy crisp and delicious experts talk on growing your own apple trees by mary rains for those who have never planted an apple tree before or want to add to their private backyard orchard spring is the perfect season to do it spring is a great time to plant apples said rod farrow president of the international fruit tree association R. Wayne Mezzett, owner of Weston Nurseries in Hopkinton and Chelmsford, agreed and said that growing your own fruit is very rewarding. You know where your fruit came from, he said. You can watch it develop on the tree. The horticultural experts spoke about different types of apple trees and how to properly maintain them. Different varieties. According to Mezzett, Massachusetts is hospitable to dozens of varieties, including McIntosh, McGowan, Red Delicious, yellow delicious, and more. His favorite is the Macoun, which is a reddish crisp apple with a good taste. You can use it for cooking as well as eating, he said. Shorter is better. Standard apple trees are 25 to 30 feet tall, but most garden centers will offer dwarf or semi-dwarf varieties, which grow up to 10 feet and 15 feet, respectively, according to Mesut. Shorter trees still deliver a lot of fruit. According to Farrow, one dwarf tree could produce up to 100 apples. He said that they are also easier to maintain. You'd be better off having a smaller tree, said Pharaoh. Planting conditions. Mesut recommends a sunny location with good soil and enough room for the tree to mature. Don't put the tree too close to the house. After planting the tree, Mesut said to carve out a ring of space around the plant in order to water efficiently. That holds water around the root zone, he said. As the tree grows, it needs to be physically supported. It needs to be tied to a stake, said Pharaoh. It needs to be pruned regularly to maintain the right balance of fruiting and growth. Necessary tools include a saw to adjust the limbs, to adjust the limbs as they get bigger. and pruning shears according to Mezi. Martha?
0: Oh, Thank you for joining us for this episode of Talking News. Please rejoin us in early September when we renew our program of Talking News after our summer break.